Hello and welcome to the Sheffield Digital Podcast. I'm Ian Broom and I'm joined, as always, by directors Mel Kanarek and Chris Diamond. Hi. Morning. Um, we're also joined today by Dean Sadler, founder of Tripads. We're going to be talking to Dean about his plans for the company to go net zero on its carbon footprint. And we're going to shortly find out whether I've used the right words in the correct order in that previous sentence. Hello, Dean. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. As, as always, I think it'd be good if we could start with a bit of a, a potted history for you, also a bit about tripads, and then maybe if we've, uh, if we've, uh, if we feel it's the right time to do so, a bit about the last few months during the coronavirus uh, crisis, how it's been for tripad. We should say we did talk to Neil Neil Armstrong, the commercial director of tripads, right at the start of the uh, uh, pandemic, um, and he sh- shared some interesting data. So maybe we can have a bit of an update around that as well. But yes, a bit about yourself first, Dean, and and Tripad. Okay, so I'm a Southerner. I'm a a recent transplant to Sheffield. I came up to uh, study, and I ended up staying like so many other people. Um, Back in 1999, I met some guys, and we ended up uh, starting a company called Plusnet. And then I was CTO of that company all the way through to IPO in 2004, and then the trade sale in 2007. And then when BT bought us in 2007, it was obvious that A, I can't work for a corporate and B, I can't work for pretty much anybody else apart from me. Um, but I had to do something because my wife and kids were going to spend all my money otherwise. Um, and the biggest problem we had at, at PlusNet was recruiting people in the Sheffield. So back in 1999, 2000, you know, we were recruiting people with technical degrees and they were just hard to come by um, in, that, in that time period. So literally in a pub, three pints of lager and a packet of crisps later, the idea for Tripod was born. And then over the last 10 years, we've, um, you know, we've built up a, a nice client base with some fantastic brands such as the BBC, Tesco's, the REF, Selfridges, and hundreds of others. Um, we now have six products, um, which basically does everything from the talent acquisition of you know, hiring people, job advertising, etc., all the way through to processing those candidates until you actually hire somebody and then we've got two new products that we'll be launching around about october of this year which is our crm solution and our sourcing platform so that's us in terms of you know the type of data that we've got you know uh i've got a stat that was relevant pre-covid was probably out of date by now but pre-covid one in seven people have working aged in the UK had used one of our products and probably didn't know about it. Uh, so they've obviously gone to the BBC or Tesco's website uh, or applied for a job on Indeed, etc. And then they're, le- they're leveraging our technology um, without, without really knowing that, that we exist. That's a pretty significant penetration into the market. How have you found things during COVID? Because when we spoke to Neil, he said um, you'd seen a huge upsurge of uh, uh, use of, of your platforms as people were applying for supermarket jobs and things like that. Did that surge continue or has it leveled off? Yeah, I mean, in the early days of COVID, we had a, a 2,900% increase in um, job applications uh, in certain sectors. So we went from a period where we were doing 1 million job applications per calendar month in February, and we we ended up doing uh, 1 million a week from March onwards. So a huge uptick 
in uh, in total job applications but obviously some sectors are doing a lot better than others so hospitality and retail had pretty much been decimated um food retail had, had increased um substantially because of the the shortage of uh, drivers etc but so had security you know software development those type of sectors uh, had, had increased substantially too so yeah huge swings in utilization of our products and it wasn't just a uk phenomenon it was you know we were seeing these type of trends globally really interested in seeing real time you know the the job market uh, movements and we feel privileged to be in that position um so yeah it's a really interesting um marketplace out there right now yeah and in with the data that you collect do you get a sense of the um age ranges of people who are applying for jobs is that part yeah, of the data that you capture we do but you know we anonymize uh, this data to work out trends and we can see that there's certain areas of the country that are being impacted more than others we're seeing certain parts of the um the demographic um being more imp impacted so younger people you know school leavers university graduates etc they're in a whole world of pain right now mm, um yeah. there are some some individuals that are doing exceptionally well you know the people that are fortunate enough to be able to work from home or um you know remotely uh, are obviously doing fine but those that are not are uh, are in a whole world of pain mm. we're seeing you know shifts from people take you know that were traditionally in freelancer roles um trying to get more permanent roles we're seeing um so for example you know software developers content writers they're tending to apply for more stable income streams uh we're also seeing a shift from the private sector to the public sector uh, so people are applying for roles in councils and government because they perceive that to be a um a safer place or a a, a position where they can uh, get roles easier mm. yeah yeah it it's it's interesting to have that um statistical insight into the shifts that are happening um because i mean what you've said is borne out a lot of the anecdotal stuff that we're hearing anyway that's interesting to hear um, but actually, we, we got you on the podcast because you're doing something very interesting in the company, um, which is uh, the, the email that we exchanged was that you're looking quite seriously at how you could make Tripad carbon neutral. Um, and I'd love for you to tell us a bit more about what you mean by that and, and how you're approaching it. Yeah, so it's, it's something I've been wanting to do for a long time now, um, but it's only recently that we've been really serious about about doing. And as a SaaS platform, the the, the, the numbers um, or the research kind of shows that SaaS platforms are more economically viable than you know putting lots of tin on premise, etc. Mm -hmm. um, but even our infrastructure consumes a lot of a lot of energy, and we as individuals 
consume a lot of energy too. So, you know, what we wanted to do is be able to say, well, actually, our business is is not adding to the, the climate change problem. And it's not been easy to understand what that problem is, to be honest. You know, we've got lots of um, bits and pieces that consume uh, energy and throw off carbon. You know, our servers, you know, the, in the data centers, the the travel that we do, the building, the offices, you know, all the infrastructure that we've got. So we made the conscious decision to kind of identify what, where we use um, or create carbon and then basically double that number and then offset that carbon every year going forward. And then what we did is we decided, well, actually, you know, we need to be able to say that we've had zero impact on the planet in a negative way. So what we've done is we've gone back to the day that we've launched and then calculated how much carbon we believe we've we've used. And then again, we've doubled that number. And now we're going through the process of planting trees and offsetting that carbon uh, to pay back and offset all the carbon we've used to till today. And then we're going to pay it forward um, going forward. Right. So... So what you're talking about is you want to be climate positive, you know, um, carbon neutral versus climate positivity. Um, yeah, there's lots of terminology around this, but I, I think the term is climate positive. You want to have, you want to show that your company has had a positive effect on the environment. Most definitely, most definitely. I think that's um, that's the right thing to do. You know, um, I mean, we're going so far as to to offer our employees the ability to offset their lives. And you think like, what does that mean? Well, if I've got a 30-year-old employee, we should be able to work out through, you know, um, standard um, facts and figures out there how much carbon that individual has created through their lifetime till today, and then we'll offset that, that life of theirs. So not only is our business carbon negative or climate positive, but also all of our employees are too. Um, and yeah, we think that's the right thing to do. You know, it's um, yeah. So, but, uh, and, and you tend to do that through offsets. So, but, so presumably, there's one side of it is reducing your reliance on carbon-producing energy. Yeah. And the other side is finding ways to offset the footprint that you've necessarily got. Correct. So, I think the, the easiest thing to do is offset on yeah. day one because you, you can, can just buy that. that. Correct. And then the, the second phase is to actually reduce your carbon footprint while still office, offsetting the same amount that you did previously. Um, so, you know, we've teamed up with a company called Ecology um, and they use the gold standard certification for tree planting. Um, so what we've done is we've, like, this month, we only started this at the beginning of the month. Okay. So this, this month we've planted 48,000 trees uh, and our target is 100,000 trees by the end of this calendar year. And then once we hit that, we think, right, we've now offset what the business has created to date. And now it's about continuing to offset at the same pace, but lower our carbon footprint. Yeah, so you're, you're tipping the scales in two ways, aren't you? By yep. um, kind of paying back the, the carbon from the past and continuing to to do that so that you're gradually 
tipping it in in favor of the climate but at the same time trying to reduce the extra carbon that you're going to put in going forward i'm waving my hands around and then realizing of course nobody can see me wave my hands around um but i'm i'm really interested in what sort of things you think you can do within the business to reduce your carbon output to to reduce the footprint as well you as know, well, the offsetting yeah the obvious one is you know um pre-covid we were traveling up and down the country you know mm. going to meetings with clients or prospective clients um you know the advent of zoom into the into the marketplace has pretty much removed that requirement so we're, we're going to make a conscious effort not to go back to the old ways of doing things yeah. you know if we don't need to travel then we shouldn't um and we should be clear with our clients or our prospective clients why we're not coming to see them. You know, this is because there's a negative impact with us coming to see you and we get 80 to 90% of the value by doing a Zoom call. Yeah. Um, let's save up that, that meeting for when we really need that extra 10, 15% of value. And yeah. I think it's an educational process. You know, we, we, we need to educate our clients, you know, why we're not going to do certain things when our competitors may be doing that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a, it's a risky stance to take, you know, if your competitors are just going to go back to the old way of doing things. But I think it's an important enough stance to, to make. And I think we'll get the, the benefit out of it in the long run. Presumably there are, there are situations in which you would want to be face to face if you're pitching business and think, beginning a relationship so. with them. Yeah, I think uh, if we had the adult conversation, though, and say, look, does it really need 20 people in a room to travel across the country? Mm. You know, can we get three people in a room as opposed to the 20? Or could we actually have a Zoom meeting first? Mm -hmm. And then once we've moved to the next stage, have a face to face. Yeah. And it's just having adult like conversations, I think. Mm. And I think what this pandemic has brought about is the ability to have those kind of conversations. Yeah, absolutely. And I think people have had the experience that you can do a lot more on video calls than perhaps any of us expected. Um, and as everybody acclimatizes to it, we get used to building relationships in this way rather than being in the room together. So, so there is that shift going on. Are you also, um, are you doing anything about data centers? Because I have this picture in my head of, you know, these huge, uh, places full of servers whirring, chewing up loads of uh, electricity, generating loads of heat that needs cooling, all that kind of thing. Are you aware of anything that's going on to try and mitigate those impacts? Yeah, there's a, there's a fine balance between, um, you know, do you leverage your own tin in your own data centers or do you use something like AWS or Azure? Mm. Um, we're going through that process right now to understand, you know, what are the pros and cons from a delivery perspective, but also from a climate uh, positive perspective. Yeah. Um, and again, I think the reality is, you know, we'll be in a position by the end of the year where we'll understand, okay, what's the best route to take with regard to, to infrastructure? Um, you know, I think that there's low hanging fruit that you can, you can take, you know, um, mm. Zoom meetings as opposed to traveling, buy locally as opposed to buy in, you know, nationally or internationally. 
and then it becomes harder as you go up that uh, or that ladder as it were and it's kind of you know let's start with the low-hanging fruit and then let's um let's build our way up which is why it's important for us to double our offset you know we understand that we're not going to be able to do everything but we'll give it a bloody good I find the approach really interesting because you're not, it's not a values based, it obviously it comes from your values and what, what you think is right and, and, and proper to do. But the way you've constructed it is that you've created a business incentive to reduce that cost center because now your offset is a, is a cost center within the business that you're going to try and you're going to be incentivized to bring down as far as you can. Yep. Well, that so that, so yeah. even, even once those low hanging fruit, you know, have, ter- have shown their, their return, you'll be chipping away at the harder to, to realize cost reductions. Yeah, and I think that's the only way to do it. You yeah, know? I know. Um, Very sensible. I mean, I, I read yesterday, I think yesterday or the day before, about China going to get become carbon, carbon neutral by 2060. It's yeah. like, well, that's 40 years away. Mm. You know, and they're, they're starting from a... A position of peak pollution um now you know fair play to them you know that's a big ask but it's still four decades away mm. and i think you know as an individual i can do certain things so but as what, what, a bit, sorry Steve, but i was saying as an individual i can do certain things but that's gonna have like a small impact but as a business owner I can have a bigger or compounded impact by making sure that my business does certain things a certain way. Mm-hmm. And then as a business owner with a network, it's my responsibility to kind of have conversations like this and not preach, but just say, look, this is what we're doing and this is the reason why we're doing it. And this is how we've done it. And we think it's quite uh, sensible to do and it's quite easy to do. Uh, and if you do it as well, I think that would be, you know, a, bigger benefit to everybody involved so yeah so i I wonder whether you're you're aware that um sheffield city region just published their draft economic plan so uh so they're updating the the strategic economic plan that um sort of governs economic development policy across sheffield city region um uh and they they did a big consultation that finished um a week ago um and uh, clean energy and net zero is a big um, pillar of their draft strategy, and they have committed to a target of achieving carbon neutrality across the whole of Sheffield City region by 2040. I wanted to, are you aware of that? And what do you think of the the time light, time horizon of 2040 instead of 2060? Yeah, well, no, I wasn't aware of it, but I think it's great. Um, 2040, I think, is you know too far out. I mean, it doesn't matter if you believe in climate change or not, okay? I think the reality is if you're an, act, uh, an activist or a denier, you know, if, and I'm neither of them, by the way, I'm not an expert in this. I have no idea, so I'll just listen to the experts. But mm-hmm. as, a, as a family man and if I was a better man, you know, I have to go with what the activists are saying because even if they're wrong... It's just cost me money. If the deniers are wrong, yeah. well, we're all screwed, you know. <laughs> so, so as a pragmatic, you know, person, I'm sat there going like, right, well, I've got to. If I can do something, I've got to do something. Um, so, you know, I think Sheffield's 
a fantastic city. You know, it's the greenest city in England, I believe. Uh, 4.5 million trees. We know how, how people you know, feel about those trees over the last couple of years. Yeah. I think even mate Michael Palin was involved in, you know, some conversation about them at one stage. Um, but, you know, it's great, but you can never have enough trees, you know, and it doesn't mean that we have to plant them in Sheffield. We just, just need to create more of them in order to kind of do our bit. And you know how much a tree costs to plant? Well, you've planted a lot of them, so it can't be that much. That was 15 pence, 15 pence a tree if you buy them in bulk. Yeah. It's like, right, we can afford that, surely. Yeah, yeah. So, so you, you, you've planted 48,000 in um, the month since you started. Did I get that right? Correct, yeah. That's a lot, so of, that's trees. A lot of trees. Yeah, yeah, and we'll do another 50,000 by the end of this year. So in the next couple right. of months, in fact, we'll probably do a lot more than that, you know. And our, our aim is to get to a million, million as soon as possible. Yeah. So I think, well, that's a nice round number. Let's get to a million. And we're going to do lots of things. We'll gamify it, you know. So every time we sign up a new client, we'll plant so many trees. Every time it's somebody's birthday, we'll buy them a cake and plant them some trees. You know, we'll think of all sorts of reasons to plant a tree. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we'll have a bit of fun with it, but there's a, a serious side to this. You know, yeah. it's... And how, I've got how, three kids. How have your employees responded to this initiative? So far, it's all been positive. You know, nobody's, you know, said uh, anything negative. It's all been like, I'm really up for this. How do I get involved? You know, really uh, happy to be working with a company that's, you know, thinking like this. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so it's all win-win from my perspective. You know, all right, it costs a couple of quid, but, you know, we can earn more money. Um, we can't uh, earn another planet. <laughs> yeah, you try and buy one off ebay you know they haven't got any on um well it doesn't it doesn't make make me think and i'm sure others as well of, of you know how big a contribution our industry could make if if you know if all of our tech and digital media companies adopted similar similar policies to the one that tripad is what kind of impact could we make and could we you know could we make a commitment that, you know, our indigenous tech and digital media industry should be carbon neutral by 2030 instead of 2040, as it is across. Obviously, there's a lot of heavy industrial plant across Sheffield City region that has got probably got a bigger task or it's more expensive to offset. But it seems doable. It seems like we could achieve a milestone like that much sooner than the rest of the region could. Yeah, I think... Um you know, we're in a fortunate position in the technology sector because, you know, especially in this type of environment, we can work from home. We don't have to commute, mm. you know. Um, SAS provides us with the ability to not have in copious amounts of tin um, in all sorts of places. You know, we can double up and share resources. Um, so, so we're in a great position. I think, you know, there's plenty of stuff that we we can do that, you know, just by anybody's, any business can do, you know, we're, we're, we're wanting to shop a lot more locally. So we've made a decision that, you know, we will be finding partners and suppliers in the Sheffield mm -hmm. city region or as many of them as possible. Um, so that we can just keep that footprint, you know, as close to home. 
Um, and I think if we all band together, or at least, you know, I'm not here to preach and I'm not here to say, like, you know, you have to do it this way. I'm saying, look, there's plenty of stuff that can be done. It's not that expensive. We anticipate it's probably going to cost us £50,000 to pay back all the carbon that we've created over the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. And it's probably going to cost us ten grand a year going forward as we grow. Um, you know, it's eminently affordable. Mm-hmm. Um and it doesn't matter how little or how much you do, do as long as you do something. Yeah. Um, and if there's any Sheffield-based, you know, freelancers uh, or businesses that, you know, want to talk to us or want to get involved in anything, um, then by all means contact us. But, you know, we will be posting, you know, some of the initiatives that we're doing and the, some of the projects that we're delivering over the next 12 months into the Sheffield Digital Forum over the next couple of weeks. Um, Brilliant. With with a view to bring in or bringing in some of the capability back offshore, back into into the into the region. Um, so yeah, we're we're up for anything, and you know we we know that we can't do all this on our own. Would like other companies to come and join us or do their own thing, as long as it's you know climate positive. Then happy days. Yeah, it would be great for there to be a network of companies that are thinking thinking along similar lines. I mean, we had an interview with um, with uh, content on demand. Content on demand, wasn't it? Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, about their plans as well. I'm sure there are other companies um, thinking similarly too. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see if we could get a, a conversation going on the back of this and and maybe pull together a a Sheffield Tech Climate Network type thing. I'll come up with a better name for it, but that kind of idea would be really, really great. Well, Dean, yeah. that's been really interesting. Yeah, go ahead. I was just saying, I mean, climate positive isn't the only thing that, you know, you can do or we're looking at. So one of the other initiatives we're doing is micro loans. So we're working with Kiva.org um, and just providing, you know, on a monthly basis, we're just going to throw, you know, some money into micro loans to help, SMEs around the globe mm-hmm. just you know get their get their businesses up and running um, better faster more efficiently and create um, a better environment to their own communities right. you know this again so this is the opposite extreme you know it's all about and it's amazing what you can do with fifty dollars yeah you know in terms of if if a hundred people all throw fifty dollars in um, there's some really interesting and positive things that can, can occur around the planet. Mm. Excellent. Well, I, I think we'll need to get you to come back in a few months' time and tell us about how it's all going and what other initiatives you've come up with. And maybe that by then we'll also be able to talk about other companies in the city and what they've been doing as well. Sounds good. Thanks for stopping your car and talking to us, Dean. Yes, and I have, I have been here listening, Dean. I've, I, my, there was, we've got some building work going on, so for a large part of that, I was just sat here just uh, desperately waiting for it to stop. But I was listening, and it was very interesting. Thanks, thanks for joining us. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Okay, time for some updates. We are going to be talking about the Sheffield City Region Strategic Economic Plan. We've already done that once. Just mentioned it while we were talking to Dean. Chris, explain more. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to explain here because the history goes back quite a long way. But um, 
very briefly could, could, the potted could history. Could be a potted history. <laughs> very, a history. Very potted, please, Chris. So, so yeah. So the potted Having history. Pot, is... <laughs> <laughs> it's a casserole. It's a good casserole. Um, Mel and I first started working together when we put the, the what was then called the CDI sector group back together in tw- for the 2013 strategic economic plan. How's that? So 2012, wow. I actually got some money from the LEP to revive the, the, um, the, the creative and digital industry sector group in order to feed in to the new economic plan for the region. And I, we, Mel and I put a website together, got people back meeting, did a consultation and got ideas. And our impact on the 2013 strategic economic plan um, was essentially zero, wasn't it? There, yeah. was, there, was no, there was no coherent strand about digital technology or the digital industries that went through that plan. And that, that plan has been in place since 2013. Um, and has 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 directed has provided the uh, the direction for all economic development policy in the region since. Um, and they it was mainly predicated on creating a whole load of jobs, right? Um, so that that was basically austerity was designed to strip public sector jobs out of the system. Um, that, that Labour governments had used to soak up the unemployment from the loss of coal and steel. Um, so, so we gained 50,000 or just over 50,000 public sector jobs in 10 or 15 years. And then austerity was designed to strip those jobs out. And this economic plan was intended to create new jobs, 100,000 new jobs. So 30,000 that needed to be created that were lost in the financial crisis, plus an, an, a, a target of an additional 70,000. Um, and so that, that's what it was directed at, and that's what they went and did. And um, over the last year or so, they've been re-evaluating that economic plan um, with a view initially to, uh, to creating a local industrial strategy, which is what the government said that all LEPs and regions should be doing. But then after the Tories won the, um, the election a year ago, they, they dropped that and said it was no longer a requirement to do that. But Sheffield City Region and the new mayoral authority, mayoral combined authority, um, decided to carry the process on in order to update in the um, strategic economic plan. Uh, and they've come to the conclusion that of these tens of thousands of jobs that have been created across the region, most of them aren't very good. Most of them are precarious. Um, they're not well paid. They're low skill. Um, but you know, if you, you basically get the outcomes that you measure, and that's what they were measuring, all jobs are the same. Let's just try and create as many as possible. Um, and then the big thrust of the new uh, philosophy, if you like, for this plan is that we want to encourage high skilled workforce and high skilled and well paid jobs with an understanding that just by creating those positions and filling those jobs doesn't automatically mean trickle-down economics and prosperity that's distributed evenly across the, po- the population. Um, so inclusive growth is a big strand of, of the plan, um, as is the environment, as is inclusivity, general socio-economic inclusivity. Um, so 
the city region have drafted a new plan and this new plan is intended to lay out lay the foundations for the economic policy for the next 20 years in in our part of the world and they launched the draft of this of this strategy uh in august and the deadline for comments on the strategy for responses to the strategy was the 18th of september so a week ago today as we record um, and I started looking at the strategy um, a few weeks ago, maybe three three weeks ago, uh, and started making notes about what a, what a Sheffield digital response should be. And I started talking to people about it, and we basically decided we needed to open it up and to try and aggregate responses to it, at the same time as encouraging local, you know, people in the tech industry and companies to. Uh, to add their responses directly as well. The, I mean, the, the the more responses there are from a from a uh, an industrial or economic sector, the more the um, you know the 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 more that that Sheffield City Region is going to take that sector seriously and and respond to its needs and opinions. So it's important that um, that we speak collectively, but also individually. And as of when I. I spoke to the people running the consultation about just over a week before the deadline, and they said they hadn't received many submissions from the sector at all. Um, so I, I put it out. I, we emailed all of our membership, both individual and company members. We put it on Slack, um, and I started to get people commenting. I opened the document up as a Google Doc so people could comment directly on different passages and add their commentary to them and add new things. And um, we, we eventually compiled, um, I think it's 24 pages of bulleted responses to every part of the, of the plan and submitted it um, on the deadline to, to the city region and the people that are responsible for our economic policy. And uh, the response I got from the people there in senior positions who we are closest to, um, and there are some people who really are champions of our industry and our way of thinking in the region, was very, very positive indeed. So um, it was, uh, I feel really good about it. I mean, I, 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 I'm, you know, I've been doing this long enough to, uh, to know that I'm probably going to be more disappointed than I am enthusiastic when all said and done. But the process itself and the response that we had from people and the number of people that emailed me individually to tell me how good a thing it was that we were doing to respond like this and how many of the points that had been made in our response were, at, were spot on, like things, you know, there was people saying, I, I would really like to respond, but you've covered everything that I would, I would like to say. You're doing a fantastic job. Um, it was... It was, yeah, really good to feel like that, to feel like, you know, the things that we set out to do when we started Sheffield Digital, because really us starting Sheffield Digital in the first place was kind of a response to what had happened with the, the um, creative and digital industry sector group and the original strategic economic plan and the lack of a voice and the lack of attention being paid to, um, you know, to what we know digital technology and the digital technology and media industries are capable of delivering to this part of the world. Um, it, 
it, it, yeah, feels like a, a really good step towards um, having aggregating that voice and really being heard. And so um, we're looking forward. I, I received an email back um, just yesterday um, to thank us for our submission and to and letting us know that um, that all submissions are being reviewed and they'll be in touch shortly. Um, and we're still working, you know, quite closely with, with Sheffield City Region on projects like the National Centre for EdTech as well. Um, and I was in a, a round table meeting with the Department for International Trade. Uh, it was 48 uh, trade ambassadors from around the world for an hour talking to us and policymakers, you know, in, in at the city, um, at City Growth in Sheffield and representatives from the edtech industry, from advanced manufacturing, uh, and from uh, movement technologies. Uh, so yeah, there's, it was, that was really encouraging as well. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be more conversations about this. Um, we're, we're going to publish our response on the Sheffield Digital website. That was something that I didn't get around to doing this week, so that everybody can see what we said. It's quite rough and ready, but then it's people's responses. It's, it's no, notes that people put up and things that people said and ideas that people had. But I think in its totality, it sets out a real direction of, put, of having digital technology at the heart of what uh, the region's response to the COVID crisis and to the current economic situation is. Yeah. I think it's, it's really uh, rewarding to be able to do the represent part of our connect, promote, represent mantra yeah. and um, to have sufficient weight in the city now to not just do it but know that it'll be taken seriously and I think we we really have crossed crossed a, a a bridge on that one and and the fact that so many people responded and got got involved is just fantastic it just shows how involved our community is mm. so it was great to see yeah well we you know we 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 wait to find out just how much influence we've got, <laughs> but it's certainly, you know. Well, and the other thing is, is, is if the whole thing gets ignored, yeah. then we've got a, a big sabre to rattle, haven't we? Yeah, we do. We say, you know, all of this contribution, all of this effort, all of these thoughts from our membership, and you didn't take any of it on board, you know. <laughs> oh, you sound like you're almost looking, for, looking forward to that conversation. Do a bit little too much. <laughs> just just putting the other side of the picture you know carrot and stick and all that well i i, I think also we haven't you know enough of a profile that we can start writing about it in the press yeah i think that's maybe the part of our represent side that is still lacking i think we need the confidence to be able to actually publish stuff in in the star in the Yorkshire post mm. in the telegraph yeah it's a really good example of what sheffield digital exists for or isn't it one of the one of like the key reasons like it's just like a voice that would not have been heard otherwise yeah, yeah. absolutely okay um next we have uh the kickstart job creation fund so we talked about this briefly i think on the last episode so this is the new government scheme which has some issues i think we have to have 30 applications or something along those lines but uh, mel this is something we support and there's a blog post about it on the Sheffield Digital website. There is. And um, following on from uh, what we talked about on the last podcast, I wanted to let people know that a system has now been worked out with uh, the City Council and the Chamber of Commerce so that if there are companies 
within the Sheffield digital community who are interested in taking on a 16 to 24 year old on a funded placement for six months. It's now very straightforward to do that. If you go to the blog post on the Sheffield digital website, there's some background information and then there is a, uh, a link to a form which you can fill in to say, yes, we'd interested, we're interested in doing this. And then someone will get back in touch with you in terms of how you go about uh, creating the job description and, and uh, putting that into the, into the pot. And what um, the city council are doing is every time they, they collect 30 uh, job opportunities or, or placement opportunities, they can then submit that to the government and that starts the process of, of pulling down the funding. So I'd really encourage um, companies in the community to think about this, not so much because it's, you know, oh, I can get a really cheap employee for six months, but actually here's an opportunity to give a young person some experience and some insight into our sector for, you know, to spend six months in a business just understanding what the digital industries are all about. And we've always talked about how, how we really want to attract a more diverse range of young people into the industry. And the young people who are going to be eligible for this scheme, the young people on universal credit, are going to be coming from a diverse background. So it, it really is a, an opportunity to open your doors and give young people um, a taster and some experience. And, you know, at least they get to earn um the minimum wage if if not more if you want to to top it up so please yeah have a look at that and think about how you might support it and uh tech nation tech nation growth programs um is this a new initiative or is this something that's uh, existed before uh it it's not new i mean tech nation run a, a variety of um you know startup competitions and and scale up programs in key sectors, uh, what they're starting to do is try and you know bring them all together so that you can see them all in one go. And I think we've reflected that in a post on the website as well. Um, so I'm just very quickly going to look at the website because I can't <laughs> remember all of these off the top of my head. Um, it's, partly, it's the continuation of what used to be Northern Stars when it was Tech North. Yeah, so there, had there's some good startups go through that program. Yeah, so there, there's Rising Stars, which is the, the pitch competition for early stage innovative tech companies. There's Upscale. Um, this is now the sixth cohort of Upscale, which is a growth program for mid-stage tech companies. There's Future 50, which is the late stage growth, growth program. Um, and these are all open for applications at the moment with deadlines in uh, sort of mid to late October and then uh, into November. Um, one of the bits of feedback we do get from Tech Nation is they don't get many applications from our part of the world. Uh, so again, um, this is a chance to get on the national radar by applying for these programs and well worth taking a look at. Yeah, I think we used to get more applicants when it was Northern Stars yeah. than we do now it's national, even though the, the, the exposure and profile is bigger. I'm not sure why that is. I don't know. It could be a, a branding issue. It could be that um, companies in the north feel that, you know, uh, stuff that looks like it's coming from London doesn't really apply. Yeah, well, they, um, they, they think their, their chance of winning if it's a competition is 
is higher if it's just a northern thing than if it's a, a whole country thing. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I don't but, know either. But, you know, but I, honestly, we've we've had some really successful companies on these schemes in the past. You know, the Flow, Tutorful. Um, I think Receptive were part of it at one, at one point. Um, you know, these are these are solid technology companies that all started up. You know, in the last seven or eight years. So, Sport eighty is that what they're called? The- yeah, Sport eighty. Yeah. They were on. Yeah. 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 Get applying, people. Great. Um, there's going to be a national digital skills audit, Mel. That sounds. An audit always sort of sends terror through. What do we mean by digital skills? Oh, don't please don't. <laughs> um, this is this is a good thing because um, through funding through the um, Institute of Computing, um, basically the model that Manchester Digital have pioneered with their annual digital skills audit is being rolled out across the country. So um, Manchester Digital have have worked out a way to collect really useful, insightful data about um, companies, what skills they need, what roles they're having difficulty filling, what the diversity profile is, all that kind of stuff. And now um, there's an opportunity for clusters all across the country to take part. So Sheffield Digital is, is sort of leading the charge to um, cover the whole of Yorkshire. Uh, so we'll be, next week, we'll be starting to push out information about the audit and how you can uh, participate in it. Um, and we'd really like to see a good representation of uh, responses from all across Sheffield City region, but uh, if you do listen from further f- afield or you know companies from further afield, then from all across Yorkshire and the Humber as well. So uh, look out for that and do please take the time to fill it in because the information from it gives us ammunition when we need to talk to policymakers about skills programmes and how they're working and what the industry actually needs. Um, the audit will run until uh, I think it's towards the end of November and then the results will get published early in the new year. So uh, watch out for that. Um, Chris, you mentioned something interesting about the computing courses at both the universities in Sheffield. Yeah, so I, I, you know, talking to um, computer science department at um, University of Sheffield and uh, computing at Hallam, where we're on the um, industrial advisory board, both universities have had pretty much record applications in computing. Um, I think, yeah, Sheffield University, they're, they're looking at in the region of 300 uh, undergraduates this year, uh, which is, I think it's a record for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's a similar picture across related courses as well. So, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's going to be a bumper crop basically, for, for talent coming through our universities in yeah. computing and tech-related topics. Um, I'm actually, I'm teaching on the uh, um, Digital Media Management Masters as well, uh, as of next Monday. And that also has had a record number of applications. It's actually, it's the, it's the, it's the, lar- it's the biggest, what's the word for it? It's the, it's the most, uh, yeah, so it's the it's the largest postgraduate course in the university now. Wow! So yeah, I've got fifty-two master's students 
in this intake and probably another 30 joining in January. Yeah. So what we need to do is figure out how to make sure that all of these um, students, all of this future talent are aware of what's going on in the digital industries here in Sheffield and the sorts of opportunities that are available to them, the sorts of companies they could work for, yeah. uh, the sort of support that's available to them if they want to start their own companies, all that kind of thing. It's joining up supply and demand in the talent chain, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So any companies that are interested in, you know, being introduced or, you know, get, getting an, getting a, some visibility on who these students are and to be able to talent spot them early and maybe invite them for, for placements a bit later on, do get in touch and we can make the right introductions. Fantastic. And uh, one last item. What news on the festival? Uh, the festival is doing what the festival does, which is um, coming together in kind of a haphazard experimental way, but looking good nonetheless. Um, I've talked before about our idea of having um, an augmented reality app that people can use to discover parts of the city and uh, what's going on in digital. Um, Field have asked me to put a call out and they could use some additional developer help on getting this app ready in time for the festival because they're really busy um, and uh, they want to make sure that the, the thing is actually ready in time. I did put something in Slack, but I'm actually going to write it up as a job and put it in the jobs channel as well so that more people see it. Um, but if you're uh, an AR a developer person and interested in helping out on getting our experimental app off the ground field would really love to hear from you there is money we're not asking for it you know for a free developer it, it there is uh, funding to um support the work so uh help please get in touch <laughs> do you know which which um application framework oh uh, yeah is so, it AR? It's, you're asking me technical things just give me a second they're using uh unity okay um and the triggers will be um image using viewphoria and gps location based um there was some uh conversation on the back of that post in freelancers about whether unity was the best way to go um, I'm certainly not the person to comment on that, um, but feel very happy to, uh, to have conversations from, from people who are experts in this stuff. So if you're interested in participating, please, please do get in touch. Other things to tell you about the festival is the, uh, it's time to start thinking about events that you might run as part of the festival week. They can be virtual, they can be hybrid, they can be in person if you can do them in a COVID safe way. Um, and it's the same as last year. You just submit them to the calendar and then they get included in the, um, the publicity for the festival week. And also there's still a little bit of time if you've got content ideas for the app of uh, cool augmented reality things that you could do in key locations in the city. There's still time to get your ideas in as well. Marvellous. Thank you for that, both of you. I think that's covered everything. So this is probably the time where I disappear into the future again. Yes. 
<laughs> we like it when you do that, Ian. <laughs> so, um, so it's been a pleasure. Yeah, we, I mean, um, we don't want you to be lonely, though. I mean, are you sure you're okay? It's easier in some ways. Yeah, fair enough. It means that we don't keep interrupting him as well. Exactly. Exactly, that's absolutely right. No worries about Zoom or anything like that. I just sit on my own. <laughs> yeah. Read off a computer screen. See Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Here I am in the future. Time to find out what events are taking place. In October 2020, which is the month right now, on the 1st, that's today, you'll do well to get to these, is the Sheffield IoT Meetup number 8, Smart Places, Buildings and Cities. There's also Go Sheffield, the online version, of course. On the 2nd of October, we have Geek Brecky, as always. Friday morning, 9 o'clock, that's the same every, every single week throughout October and forever, I believe. On the 6th of October, that's Tuesday, .NET Chef. They're covering uh, what they're called Moving to Microservices, Containers versus Serverless with Mark Heath. On the 7th of October, we've got the Ministry of Testing, which is uh, from Sheffield Chef Test, a regular meetup. Loading, testing with K6. It means nothing to me, but I bet it does to you. On the 12th of October, we have the beginning of the AI Tech North 2020, the summit, the Northern AI Summit. That takes place on the 12th and the 13th. And on the 13th and the 14th, we have the RailSmart Virtual Roadshow, which sounds good. Um, and then on the 20th of October, we have Tax Saving Tips for Individuals and Businesses, which is a webinar by Shorts, the uh, accountancy firm. Hmm, that sounds interesting, doesn't it? Tax Saving Tips for Individuals and Businesses. I'll just make a note of that myself. Yes, please. And on the 29th, we have the Sheffield Collective. That's the virtual meetup for freelancers, sole traders, and self-employed people. And that's it for October. There'll be plenty more coming in November because it's uh, festival time. But we'll leave that till the next episode. Now we move on to the latest Sheffield Digital members. These are the fine companies and individuals who help keep the lights on and uh, fund a lot of the communications work that uh, Sheffield Digital, Digital puts out, including this very podcast. Um, on the company side of things, since we last spoke, we have two new members. We have Ember, they joined on the 8th of September, and we have Rebel Base Media, friends of the show, who joined as uh, company members on the 23rd of September. So thank you to both of them, both of them, both of those. Doesn't matter, does it? On the individual front, we have no new members since the last time we spoke. So, so come on, everyone. If you want to support Sheffield Digital and their promoting, connecting and representing around the city, then... Uh, Get stuck in. Five a month. Can't go wrong. And that's it. All that's left for me to say is you should subscribe to the show. If you haven't already, you can do that in Apple Podcasts or whichever whichever particular platform you choose to listen to podcasts on. I think we're now on Amazon Podcasts as well. Imagine. Um, so do that and uh, tell your friends and uh, stay safe and uh, do your best. Until next time.